Welcome to the Such Things Podcast. I'm David Lang, and we are learning how to pray. Jesus taught his disciples to pray using the Lord's Prayer. So that's what we're using. It's just me tonight. That's right. I'm actually recording at nighttime. It's a little different for me. Uh, All alone here in the home studio, just me and Bower the dog. But hopefully he'll be quiet and keep sleeping in the corner. Lisa and the kids are out tonight. And we are going to keep learning how to pray. The Lord's Prayer says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 12, And forgive us our debts. Forgive us. After the prayer for give us today our daily bread, we come to a need and a hunger that is even greater than our need and hunger for food. A hunger that is universal, a need that is so intense right now in our world. Of course, talking about the need and hunger for forgiveness. Uh, It's everywhere. I mean, just listen to songs on the radio, listen to people talk, watch TV shows, books, movies. Um, Here's some lyrics from a song that I like. It says, oh, I'm going to mess this up. Oh, this is just my luck. Over and over again, I'm sorry for everything. Oh, everything I've done. From the second that I was born, it seems I have a loaded gun. And then I shot, shot, shot a hole through everything I loved. Oh, I shot, shot, shot a hole through every single thing that I loved. From the uh, wise words of Imagine Dragons, (laughs) the song Shots. The need that our souls feel for forgiveness from sin, for release from regret and for freedom from guilt is perhaps just as intense as the need our bodies feel for food. Maybe even what we feel for coffee. And I'm going to take a sip of mine right now. Let's all have some coffee here. When I became a Christian, sure, I I hungered for Jesus. But honestly, I hungered most at that time when I was coming to Christ. I hungered most for forgiveness. I had grown so tired of the guilt, so frustrated by my constant failure to be the person that I wanted to be and knew I should be. I was selfish. I was unable to be there for others the way they needed me. I was ruled by sexual lusts and physical desires. I was arrogant. And and deep in my heart, I really thought I was better than other people. And it's embarrassing to say that. In fact, I mean, I became so ashamed of that because I knew that was wrong. I became ashamed of that about myself, but I didn't know how to change it. I was a walking contradiction. Arrogant and selfish on the one hand, beset by guilt and shame on the other. So I studied the Bible. And I expected that the more I grew, 
in my knowledge of God and His Word, I would grow steadily closer to Him and stronger. But I found the opposite was happening. The more I learned about the Bible and the God who wrote it and started it, um, the further I felt from Him. As the light of His Word began to shine more and more brightly on my life, I discovered that all my faults were more exposed and obvious than before. I was actually more of a sinner than I had even realized when I started to study the Bible. The more I read the Bible, the more it was like, oh, so, okay, so I'm off there too. The darkness and wickedness within me became more clear and alarming and gross as it was juxtaposed against the Word of God and especially against the man that I was supposed to follow, Jesus Christ. That was a strange time. It's not what I expected. But I found something else as I studied the Bible. I also found that I was in good company. One thing that that comes out loud and clear to anyone who reads through the Bible, as, as my dad always used to say, you know, the only one who comes out clean in this book are God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. Every Bible hero is deeply flawed. I mean, just make a, a list of all the, the usual Bible heroes, the usual suspects, David, Abraham, Moses, Paul, Peter, you know, uh, go on from there. It will be littered. Your list will be littered with murderers, adulterers, hotheads, prostitutes, liars, tricksters, cowards, racists, and any number of other unmentionable sins. But then in, in the middle of this motley crew, there's Jesus the only perfect one. And what's he doing? Every day, we find him spending himself on behalf of sinners day in and day out. And finally on the cross, what does he say? Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. We ask for forgiveness in this part of the Lord's Prayer from the only one who can give it. And we ask because we need it every day. I'm trying to learn and, and teach us how to make the Lord's Prayer like a part of our life and, and that we pray it regularly. We need to come regularly to Jesus for forgiveness. I remember um, my dear friend and a mentor, Damien Jean-Baptiste. He was a missionary in the Caribbean out in Barbados. He died a few years ago from cancer. He died way too young. And as he was dying, um, he said something like this. I'm not going to be able to quote it perfect, but he said, I realize now that every day, even what I thought were my best days for God. I realize now that I was only getting by on God's grace. (laughs) 
I was never getting by, even on my best days, on anything other than just grace. You know, the Bible says, right, even our righteous deeds are filthy rags. We need grace. It's the solution for all this guilt that we build up through our life. Guilt is actually God's invention, I think, although Satan turns it against us. See, I felt guilt and shame as a non-Christian because I was living in sin. I was lost. I was a mess. I was a sinner. I was going to hell. And as I came into the presence of a, you know, a holy, perfect, sin-free God, and still, I think we feel this way, as we come into his presence, the disgusting stain of sin in our lives will often become far more obvious to us and, and, and to everyone around us. And maybe it's already obvious to them. And that causes guilt. Feelings of guilt. The solution for guilt is grace. So learning about grace became like the theme of my first few years as a disciple of Jesus. I mean, I devoured the scriptures to learn about grace. I read other books about grace. What do we do with guilt? Let me get my book here. I, uh, this is a book I read more recently. I've mentioned it before. Max Lucado, a book called Before Amen. It's what he says. He says there's, there's sort of two ways of dealing with our unresolved guilt. Number one, defensiveness. He says defensive souls keep the skeleton in the closet. Tell no one. Admit nothing. Seek innocence, not forgiveness. Life is reduced to one aim. Suppress the secret. Whew, you been there? Are you there right now? Got some secrets? He says, failures go unaddressed and untreated. Defensive souls build walls around the past. We don't want to talk about it, brush it under the rug, try to hide it. That's, that's response number one to unresolved guilt is our defensiveness. The second response he talks about is um, defeat. He says, defeated souls, on the other hand, are defined by the past. They didn't make mistakes. They are the mistakes. They didn't foul up. They are foul ups. They don't hide the past. They wear it on their sleeves. They cudgel themselves with doubt and shame. You know, we, we beat ourselves over the head with our guilt. Can you relate to one of those? Which one are you? Or are you like me? You you can go within 10 minutes from one to the other. (laughs) All right, let's go to the scriptures, guys. What do we do with this guilt? And and we're going to bring it back to prayer. Let's, Let's look at a couple psalms because the psalms were prayers, prayer songs. And, and they talk about how to deal with guilt. And we're trying to learn how to pray through and pray for forgiveness, work through our sin and receive that forgiveness so we can be cleansed from that 
that guilt. Psalm 103, one of my favorite psalms that my dad taught me. Verse two, praise the Lord, my soul. Forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. And down in verse 10, it says, "He does, God does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. I love that. Did you catch that at the end? It says, as far as east is from west, that's how far he's removed our sin from us as, as a Christian. Why didn't it say north-south? I think it's, as I thought about it, I thought, well, if I start going north out of Myrtle Beach, head up, head up the east coast on I-95, eventually, I guess you're going to hit, you know, Santa's workshop up there in the North Pole, right? You see, see you know, all the elves up there or something. And, and once you pass the North Pole, though, something happens. My understanding, I'm not real bright. You you don't head you're not heading north anymore, you're heading south. Same thing happens when you hit the South Pole. You start heading back north. But what happens? See here in Myrtle Beach, if I start heading east from my house, within I don't know a few miles, I, I, I'm going to get real wet. I'm going to hit the Atlantic Ocean, and I can get on my surfboard and start paddling. Keep paddling east, head to like what? I'm going to hit like Morocco over there or something. And I could trek across northern Africa over the Mediterranean, you know, through the Mediterranean, Middle East, get on through Asia, hit the Pacific, hit California, make my way across, take Interstate 40. I've always wanted to travel I-40 all the way across the country. I remember growing up in North Carolina, taking beach trips, coming out of the beach in North Carolina, you'd see a sign that said, Barstow, California, 2,554 miles I was on I-40, and I always wanted to just load up and take that trip. Here's the point, right? You head east, eventually I'll get back to Myrtle Beach, and I can just keep heading east. East-west is unending. The analogy here is deliberate. He has removed our sin through the blood of Jesus. Our forgiveness, it's east to west. It's unending. That sin is never coming back when we're washed in the blood of Jesus. It says our youth is renewed like an eagle. Imagine a, a beautiful, strong eagle. Uh, something, we've got a number of bald eagles that fly around Myrtle Beach, actually. From if you look closely, you'll see them over by the state park. And um, so, But imagine seeing a strong, bald eagle. They're, they're quite a sight to behold. But imagine seeing it attempt to soar with weights on its wings. That makes no sense. We cannot fly as God intended us to soar 
in our life as a disciple of Jesus with unforgiven baggage weighing us down. See, we need this part of the Lord's Prayer every day, like we need communion every week. To remember, to remember Jesus and what He did for my sin. But what are we praying for when we come to this part of the Lord's Prayer? Forgive us our debts. Well, go to Psalm 139, a few pages later here. I'm going to read in verse 23 and 24. It says here, another prayer here. It says, search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. This is a time in the prayer where we seek forgiveness. And as we do that, it's appropriate to search our souls. We say, God, see if there's any offensive way in me. Last I checked, I ain't Jesus yet. And neither are you, my friend. The image of God is still being formed in us. We're still dealing with sin. The the, the layers of the onion are still getting peeled off. Are you becoming different, though? Or are you pretty much the same? From a a standpoint of like being like Jesus, (laughs) Are you pretty much the same as you were a year ago? Five years ago? How are you more like Jesus now? I mean, I'm sitting here thinking right now, like, man, in 2021, it's May. I'm about to turn 41 here in a few days. How much more like Jesus have I become this year? How much since my last birthday? I think I am becoming more like Jesus. But it's a struggle. I have to search my soul. God, see if there's any offensive way in me. We need to be constantly dealing with our sin as we become more and more aware of it. This incredible story in uh, the Chronicles of Narnia about this boy named Eustace. And Eustace, (laughs) he's an annoying kid. He's he's kind of a brat. he's, He's stuck up. And there's this story where he and his friends are on this ship and they, they get stuck on this deserted island. It's, it's a big island and he's, he goes out by himself, you know, he's often by himself because no one wants to hang out with Eustace. And he comes across a dragon lair and um, he goes in, the dragon is dead and all the dragon's treasure is in there. And he grabs like a piece of the dragon's uh, treasure, like a piece of jewelry, and like puts it on his arm. And <clears throat> and anyway, he falls asleep, wakes up in the morning, and he discovers that that he has somehow been infected with like dragon poisoning, you know, by sleeping in the lair. He has turned into a dragon. And he tries to go back to the ship and his friends, but all they see is this 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 dragon there, they're scared of him, you know, they, they run away and hide and try to fight him or whatever. So he, he ends up, you know, I don't know, a few days go by. He ends up, uh, next to this, this pool of water on the island. And here comes Aslan, the dragon, I'm sorry, the, the lion, 
the Christ figure of the story. And Aslan says, you know, he, he clear, you know, he can't speak, Eustace, but he's basically trying to plead with Aslan as best he can, like, you know, make me back into a boy again. Change me. So Aslan says, go wash in the water. So he goes into this pool and, and he washes. And, 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 you know, like a few scales fall off. Aslan says, do it again. He washes again. A few more scales fall off. Do it again. Do it again. And this washing in the pool, as the scales begin to fall off, it becomes like a metaphor for baptism. Pretty soon, though, he's still he's still a dragon, and Aslan comes into the pool and begins pawing at him with his huge lion paws. And then he begins using his claws, ripping into his thick dragon flesh and ripping the scales off, and it's painful. And he's tearing and tearing at Eustace in his dragon flesh. And it hurts. But slowly but surely, all the scales fall off. And he's a boy again. And he has fresh, clean human skin. And he's made new. He's changed. And he goes back to his friends. That's a little what it's like as a Christian, isn't it? It's tough, guys. We're forgiven, but... Man, it feels like we still got a lot of dragon scales on us. Are we going to let Jesus keep doing what he does to work us through our sin? As he makes us aware of sin, as we pray the Lord's Prayer, we pray for forgiveness and we search our hearts, well, what do we do with it? What's the first thing we do with it? when he makes us aware of it. James 5, verse 16, right? He says, Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Confess, my brother, my sister, confess your sin. To God in prayer, yes, but also what does it say here? To others. God may lay things on your heart that you need to go share with trusted brothers or sisters in your life. Do we? Do we confess our sin? Do we confess regularly first to God in prayer and to others as it says here? If you read on in James 5, it actually implies, I don't have time, but you can go read on your own. It actually implies there is a connection between uh, our sin, confessing our sin, receiving forgiveness and cleansing from it, a, a connection between that and our our health, our physical health and our, our mental health. I, I think there is, guys, we're mind, body, and soul. I think that unresolved guilt is probably <laughs> one of the leading causes of like mental and dare I say, even physical illness. We need to be regularly cleansing our souls through confession and through prayer. I tell you who I learned this from, another dear friend who passed away way too young from cancer, my best friend from childhood and into college, Spencer Whitworth. Uh, We were buddies when we were five, and then we ended up rooming together in, 
in, in a dorm together in college and an apartment together in college. And I just remember when we were in the dorm together, I remember he, he was a great Christian, incredible disciple of Jesus. He would come home. It was not unusual at the end of the day, late at night, as we were done with studying for school or working for our campus ministry or whatever we were up to, playing, playing, <laughs> we were playing James Bond, Goldeneye. I'm dating myself. That's what we played. But anyway, we'd be getting ready to go to go on to sleep. And I remember he would regularly like, he would just confess his sin to me. I didn't even necessarily ask. And it wasn't just sin. He would share about temptations he felt that day, desires, lustful desires, whatever, you know, thing. he would just... He would just empty it off his, his chest, get it off his heart. Because I, and I think he knew, he understood that it was good for his soul to unburden that with a fellow brother in Christ. And I know he did it in prayer. He got up every morning and went and prayed. Man, I miss that guy. He taught me a lot. And I've tried to cultivate that, that spirit of Spencer, of just putting it out there for people. If we're the priesthood of believers, the way the Bible says we are in the New Testament, then we are to help each other find absolution for our guilt. <laughs> we're each other's priests, you know. We do that for each other. The best thing you can do when you're guilty is confess to God in prayer and a trusted group of brothers and sisters. Come clean, air it out. Drink the free air of an unburdened soul. If you're pricked right now, go pray. This podcast is about to be over. Turn it off and pray. And go find a brother or sister that you confess, that you, you trust and, and you confess. But God wants to forgive. God longs to forgive. The blood of Jesus is there. If you're a baptized disciple of Jesus, forgiveness is always there. But it's it's in the Lord's prayer to ask for it, to pray through it. It's in the Lord's prayer. We better be doing it. Max Lucado says in, in the same book, Before Amen, he, he says two things about confession. One, he says, be abundant in your confession. And two, he says, be concrete in your confession. Be abundant, like like Spencer, as often as needed, confess. I think sometimes we feel ashamed, like, well, I've confessed to these brothers before about this. It's embarrassing. Keep confessing. It's all right. And if, if they get on you a little bit, well, maybe you needed it, but we love each other. Be abundant in your confession. And then be concrete. Don't do those general confessions. Hey, I struggle with a little sin. Struggle with a little lust. Got a little angry. Um, me and my wife had a little argument. I try to tell, like last week, I was with my brother Jake having lunch, sharing with him about, went, walked him through kind of an argument I had with Lisa, you know, because I, I don't want to just, I want to be concrete. I want I don't want to just be general. If I'm struggling with lust, what, what was I struggling with? What thoughts? What was I looking at? Be abundant, be concrete. What it will do is help you to, to, Drink in the forgiveness. And then go and, and ask Jesus, ask God, ask through the Spirit for forgiveness and receive it with joy and relief. And then live free. The Bible says, Paul tells us, closing out Romans chapter 7, verse 24, 
I mean, the whole chapter of Romans 7 and 8 is amazing. But he says, what a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? You know, this sinful body. He says, thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And in Romans 8, 1, he says, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. No condemnation. Let's ask for forgiveness and receive it and live an unburdened life of freedom in Christ. Amen. I'll see you next time. Thanks for joining us on the Such Things podcast. the Lord today, for He is all my hope and stay. Our God is good, His name is great, hallelujah.